0: Um, Well, have you ever realized that when you start teaching something, God has something to teach you back? Well, that's what I've encountered today. Um, As we've been talking about the David's tabernacle and the presence of God and how we should desire that first and foremost in everything that we do. Well, if you've ever heard me teach, you see normally that I have eight pages of notes, hand-typed, highlighted... And I go exactly by my notes. Well, guess what? This morning at 8 o'clock, as I went to print it, my computer ate my whole lesson that I've been working on for weeks. Which I was devastated. And I just felt the Lord say, today you're going to teach from my presence. That's what you're teaching on. That's what David's tabernacle is all about. So we need prayer this morning. And we need big prayer. And so Melissa is going to pray for us. And I just pray, my prayer for you is that you're going to push in. I need you to push in today to get the hem of his garment as I'm pushing in today. To stand up here and not use my crutch of notes to give you the word today. Okay? So we're in this together. All right.
1: Lord, we just pray over your servant Ann today. And we know... We know, God, that you have a word for her to give from your word. Lord, it's not a coincidence that you have challenged her in this place this morning to lean on you. And God, we are right behind her. We know that you will fill her with your truth. We know you already have. Lord God, you make a way for us when we are weak. You make a way for us when we are in need. You are our ultimate provider, Lord. Mm -hmm. We rest on you for that this morning. Mm -hmm. Lord, we ask that you would just pour through Anne your word, that she would know that the words that come out of her mouth are straight from you. Lord God, and I just just pray that you would help us to receive those words in spirit and in truth, Lord. You have given her wisdom, and you have given her the ability to search your word and find truth. And we know... Mm -hmm. We know that that will come out this morning. Lord, Lord, you are greater than technology. You are greater than the human brain. Lord, you created everything that we have to make our technology. So, Lord, we ask you now to just Mm. be in this place. Fill this room with your presence, God. Fill Anne with your word. Pour out your spirit, Lord, so that we will know that you are here Mm. and you will receive the glory. Lord, we thank you so much for this time. What a privilege it is to gather with fellow women, fellow believers, fellow sisters in Christ, and how strong that bond is, Lord. We know, we know that you will bless that. Use her now. Speak through her. Help her to be bold. And help her to trust and believe what she's saying is from you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to have holy friends. Um, they saw it all over my face when I walked in this morning. They were "Oh, what's going on?" and they immediately prayed for me. So, the word has the Lord has a word for all of us today. I believe that He allowed this to happen for a reason. Browning was having trouble with his guitar, so y'all just get ready to receive. I'm going to try my best to go through an outline that I have written out. Um, But I'm believing God might take us, I don't know where, okay? But this is my plan for the day. With the Lord's help, we are going to start off with an overview of David's tabernacle and why we're studying it. Secondly, we're going to look at where did this idea come from? And then thirdly, we're going to look at how does this apply personally to us as temples of the Holy Spirit, and corporately as we are the glorious temple of living stones being built up for God's return in Jesus Christ as his bride. So that's how we're going to start today. And I know you don't have notes. Um, If you want to write them somewhere else, you can, or just pray that they just get deposited into your heart today. All right? So let's just start and talk about the tabernacle, David's tabernacle. We've already learned that the tabernacle of Moses had been in effect for approximately 400 to 500 years, that the Israelites had taken into the promised land and had started to camp out at a place called Gibeah. But for 70 years with the tabernacle of Moses, there was no Shekinah glory. There was no ark of his presence there, but yet the tabernacle kept functioning And if you remember what the tabernacle of Moses was, they would bring the sacrifices daily. They would have burnt sacrifices, burnt offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings, all these different offerings that they would come and bring to the Lord. And then once a year, one time a year, only the high priest... Could go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence dwelled, and He would take this basin of blood in from the sacrifice in fear. Because remember, this is a God who is an all consuming, fiery, jealous God. Okay? And they had seen God do some really radical, crazy things. And He would take this basin of blood, hoping that God would say, Yes, I forgive the sins of Israel for another year. Okay? Well, now we go to David's tabernacle. David, who was under the law, which the law said, if anyone approaches my presence other than a priest, you will die. The law, which was given to Moses at Mount Sinai with all the different restrictions and instructions of the tabernacle of Moses, David decides to radically change the approach to a holy, all-consuming, fiery, jealous God. And y'all have heard this. We've talked about this the last two weeks. But when I started really thinking about that, I thought, this is huge. The law said, if you were not a priest, you could not approach a holy God or you would die. And here comes David to radically change the whole system. Radically changed it. And so I started thinking, well, how did David do that? Why did David do that? I mean, we know that David was a man after God's own heart. We know that he started out as a little shepherd boy. We know that he ended up being a warrior and then he ended up being a king. And we know that even Jesus Christ is called the son of David. So why did David do this? And there's two things. And the first is David was desperate for the presence of God. He was desperate. I don't know why he was so desperate. Maybe it started out when he was in the fields taking care of the sheep and he had to kill a bear and a lion to defend his sheep. Maybe he realized how desperate he was when he went up to Goliath and he was going to slay this huge giant who was mocking him and making fun of him. You know, I don't know what led to the desperation. But in Psalm 132, we see this. Talking about David. Verse 2, He swore an oath to the Lord and made a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling For the mighty one of Jacob. Do you feel the desperation that David had for establishing a place for God's presence? He knew that it would be transformational, he knew that it could change the nation, it could change the kingdom that he was anointed to lead. And we're going to see in what part of our study that that kingdom greatly expanded. They had great and enormous victory while this tent was up, while there was 24-7 praise and worship going before the Lord. You know, in Psalm 63, David says, Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David was thirsty. David was hungry for God. His soul, his mind, his emotions, his will wanted God above everything else. And God was faithful. He met David in that desperate place, just like he will meet you and will meet me even today in the desperate places. And you know what he looks for? Hungry and thirsty hearts. And so David sets up this tabernacle 24-7, praise and worship for 40 years. You know how many days that is? 14,080 days of 24 hours a day, seven days a week, praise and worship before the presence of the Lord, nonstop. He appoints 4,000 Levites to do this as a full-time occupation. They do it in two-week intervals, and that is their job. You're going to minister to the Lord. That's your full-time occupation. You don't have to pay for anything else. I'll give you places to sleep, food to eat, but that's what you're going to do continually. But I still had to ask myself, well, why did you do this? Why did you set it up this way? You're still under the law, even though you're hungry and desperate for God, even though there's no Shekinah glory at the tabernacle of Moses. Why are you doing this? And I can't tell you. I found a small little answer in Second Chronicles 29. And this is about 300 years after David's been king, and Hezekiah comes to be king. And he decides he's going to purify the temple. He's going to repair it and rebuild it. And remember, this was a king after David, and they all thought David was the head honcho. He was the king of kings. He was the best one that they'd ever seen. And in 2 Chronicles 29, verse 25, as Hezekiah is repairing the temple and rebuilding it and sanctifying it and setting it apart, this is a statement that is in the Word. He stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres in the way prescribed by David and Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. This was commanded by the Lord through his prophets. Did you get it? This wasn't just some fancy, flighty idea David had or that Gad, his seer, gave to him or Nathan the prophet. This was commanded By the Lord to them, this is the way we're going to approach me now. And all the while, over at the tabernacle of Moses, you still got your offerings every day. You still got your prayers going up. You still got the sights and the sounds of dead animals and bloody animals and squeals and smelling of defecation of these animals. You still have that going on. And here David, commanded by the Lord, sets this tent up. And out of this tent transpired great victory, great growth for the kingdom, great unity in the body. It was said, you remember when the story when David had told, um, I think it was Nathan, that he wanted to build God this temple? And I think Nathan was kind of a little hesitant. He kind of jumped the gun and he said, yeah, you do that, you do that. But then the Lord came to Nathan and was like, no, David's a man of war and he can't build this temple for me. It's going to have to be a son. You know what David immediately did? It says he went in and lounged before the ark. Hear this great desire that he had to build God this temple. I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to put my head on my pillow until I find you a dwelling place. And that disappointment, he goes and immediately lays before the ark. It says he lounges. Can't you just imagine the king, the, the king of Israel, just lounging before God's presence? You know, it gives new meaning to Psalm 91 when it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of Almighty. David knew what it meant to rest in the shadow of the Almighty because he was a man desperate for the presence of God. So what does that mean for us now, thousands of years later? What does it mean for us personally as the temple of the Holy Spirit and corporately as the body of Christ? You remember Lana taught us last week that it was prophesied in Amos by James in in Acts at the, the Jerusalem council that God would rebuild David's fallen tent. And so it's applicable now because that prophecy was started at the moment that the Holy Spirit fell and the new church was birthed. And after studying and reading many commentaries on this, what I found is most people believe that the closer we get to Christ's return, the more this tent will be established. It's like just one more year we get closer and understanding it and praising and worship. You've seen in the last 15 years these houses of prayer pop up all over the world where they are offering God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, prayer and praise to the Lord. And so what does that mean for us personally and corporately? Well, in 1 Chronicles sixteen four, 4, Lana shared this last week. She said that the Levites... Were appointed to minister before the ark of the Lord. So you remember, fourteen thousand and eighty days, they're ministering to the Lord. This is their full-time occupation, and they're to do three things in their ministering: they're to make petition, they're to give thanks, and they're to praise the Lord. Okay, y'all get it? Three things, all for God's glory, not for themselves. They're not going in to be ministered to. They're going in to minister to the Lord. Make petition, give thanks, and to praise. And later on, I read too, that in that they began to prophesy, which means that in the presence of the Lord, they would hear and be downloaded inspiration from His presence, and they would begin to speak it out. You know, that's how many of the Psalms came to be written. If you really go back and look before this time, there weren't a lot of songs that the Israelites sang. They had their deliverance song, and when Miriam came in with her tambourine and led the people out when they'd been delivered from Egypt. But there weren't a lot of songs. And so during this time, there was an explosion of songs being written to the Lord out of his presence. And we've seen that in the last 20, 30 years. I can remember when I was growing up, I loved Amy Grant. You know, El Shaddai and My Father's Eyes, and I just loved it. But really, there wasn't much more than that that I knew of. You know, then I get to college, and then there was a band called Jars of Clay. I didn't even realize they were Christian. I just liked the music. And you look now, I mean, it's just amazing. We are so blessed to have so many beautiful songs unto the Lord that we get to join in with. And so during this time, there was an explosion of songs. Lots of the psalms were prophetically written during this time. But these Levites' job was to minister to the Lord through petition, thanksgiving, and praise. So what does that mean for us? You know, sometimes we got to take this word and we got to bring it down to our level. You know, I was going to say this at the end, but has anyone read the book Love Does by Bob Goff? Well, um, some ladies that I'm going through discipleship with, we read this book, and it's a book about a guy. My friend Wendy gave it to me back there, and he just loves the Lord. He's just big-hearted and big-spirited, and in part of the book, he says, I realized I became a Jesus stalker, and I was like, what? What does this dude mean? And he said, I realized I was going to Bible study, and I was learning all these facts about Jesus. I learned about his mother's name. I learned about the miracle at the wedding and all this stuff. But then I'd walk out, and I just knew a bunch of stuff. It's kind of like a stalker. A stalker will go, and I'll learn all this stuff about Jennifer Altman, and I'll see where she goes and what she does and what she's like. But I never get to know her, you know? Sometimes that's what we do. We find ourselves. We're doing a lot of stalking of the Word. But you know what he said I learned? Instead of doing Bible study, I learned to do Bible doing. I learned to take the Word and say, how am I going to apply this to my life? What does this mean? I mean, it's great and mighty for you to come in and learn about the tabernacle of Moses and learn about David's tent, but if you don't put it to practice, it doesn't mean a thing. I mean, if for real... I mean, I for 20 years learned the word and didn't put it into practice and it didn't mean much. And so what we want to do with this is say, how do I start Bible doing this tent that's being reestablished? And what does that look like? And so we learn petition, petition. It's a request to do something or receive something. Think about it. Have you ever signed a petition? You're asking them, change this. I'm putting my signature on it. Well, that's what petition means. We're asking whoever the authority is to change or do something. You know, Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. He tells us to ask. He tells us to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. He tells us in the New Testament... That we receive not because we ask not. So we are to petition before the Lord. But you know what I struggled with as I was supposed to teach on just petition today? Is you cannot separate petition from praise and thanksgiving when it comes to David's tent. You can't separate it. There's no way. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week for 40 years, there were people, 4,000 Levites, playing their instruments and clapping and dancing and shouting and falling prostrate and standing and singing before the Lord. Do you think that they said, Stop, liar. Stop, cymbal. Stop, tambourine. It's time to petition. I don't think so. And you know why I don't think so? It's because... As I've learned to do David's tabernacle in my life, in my relationship with the Lord, many times, many times, whether it be in here, in corporate worship, at home, when I start off my praising, guess what? Then I start my petitioning. You know what our praise does to our petition? It gives wings to it. You know, the Word tells us to delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, I remember years ago, a Beth Moore conference we had here, she taught on that. And at the time, I can't remember what exactly we were going through, but I knew it had to do with our finances and job. I mean, it seems like that was just my life story for seven years. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to delight in you and you're going to give me this desire. I know you know I need it. And then I realized... When you delight in the Lord and you praise Him and you thank Him, God begins to change that desire. He changes that selfish desire. And He puts His holy desire in you. And so then when we look in the New Testament, He says, Anything you ask for in my name, you'll get it. You know what He means in that? When you're in my presence that prayer is going to be lined up in direct alignment with my will. It's not going to be about you anymore. It's going to be about me and my kingdom in you. And so we can't separate, separate petition and praise. We just can't. You know, a long time ago, well, not too long ago, I guess about nine years ago, I went through just one of those Miri Pit times. And my father, who had been diagnosed with, what was it first, um, a chronic lymphocytic leukemia, had then they realized that he actually had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And then at that time, my brother had been put in the hospital with a fungal meningitis, which they were amazed that he had lived through. And then at that time, my husband was going through a major lawsuit that could have taken out not only us, but his father, his brother, and the company that he was working for. And in the midst of that, I have two children, and I'm functioning fine. I mean, I'll be honest, two children was just easy for me, and I find out I'm pregnant with a third, like on my baby's one-year birthday. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. Everything in my life is falling apart from finances to my own life, to my parents, to my brother. And I got to that place, and I, I did. I fell into a little state of depression. I didn't want to get out of bed. I cried. Bradley was crying. He's like, how are we going to do this? I mean, we did. And I remember I went to the doctor, and he, I mean, and he knows me personally. When I was pregnant, he said, oh, you're not doing good. I said, no. He said, I'm going to start you on some medicine, and this is going to help. And, you know, I'm a pharmacist. So I know medicine, and the crazy thing is that I've always loved the medicines that deal with the brain. I mean, like in school, that was my favorite thing. I loved it. It's just amazing. And so I went, and I was like, you know, I've never wanted to take medicine. I never have, but okay, I'm, just, I, I'm desperate. So I went, filled my prescription, got it, took it for two days. I felt horrible. <laughs> I did. It just wasn't for me. And God uses medicine. He has blessed people with wonderful wisdom to develop medicine to help us for healing because that's God's will. But I felt the Lord say, get off it and get in the Psalms. That's what I'm going to use for you. And at that point, I was really at a place of growth, but I didn't know the Lord. Like I'd kind of been stalking him a little, you know? And there'd be a little glimpse here and there that I'd get to know him a little bit more. But I didn't know him like he talks about intimately, like a husband and a wife knows each other. And so what I did every day, open a psalm. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the heaven of, maker of heaven and earth, bless you. And that was my medicine. And you know what? It was the sweetest time. He became real. And at the time, I didn't know that I was engaging David's tabernacle. I didn't know that there was such a thing. But I knew I was engaging with someone, someone much higher than me. And it changed me. You know, God will always use the yuck in our life if we allow him to bring great glory to him. He takes the bad things and he uses it for good for those who will call upon him and serve him according to his purpose. You know, the Psalms are full of just all ranges of emotions from despair and grief and just the honesty of David, just revenge my enemies, vindicate me, O God. To the very place where then he says, But oh I will praise you. You see, that's what happens when you come into the presence of God. That's what happened to David in Psalm forty three. This Psalm is attributed to being written during that time. And it's a time of petition to the Lord. It's a time of David asking the Lord for help. And this is what he says Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. See the petition? I'm asking. I'm needing you to change this. I'm needing you to do this. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? But in the midst of his petition, what does he do? He declares who God is He's going to be my stronghold. Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? You know, David wasn't afraid to ask, was he? And then he petitions again, Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. He was desperate for the presence of God. Then will I go to the altar of God to God, my joy and my delight, and I will praise you with the harp, O oh God, my God." He says, "Even in the midst of this, I'm going to come back to that altar, I'm going to come back to the shadow of His presence, and I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to radically praise you. Did you know that David is accounted for a lot of the instruments being made? I thought that was so cool that not only did God give him inspiration to do this. But then he gave them inspiration to make these instruments to be used to worship and praise him. And then he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Those are the type of Psalms that helped me to get from that depressed state. He met me in my place of weakness. Your grace is sufficient for me. Your strength is perfected when I lay it all down to you. So that's one way it affects us. And another way is that it leads us to thanksgiving. To thanksgiving. You know, how many times do we walk around and we're just downcast and disturbed when we have so many things to be thankful for. I mean, we should be thankful that we woke up today and we have breath to praise the Lord. We should be thankful that we live in a free country where we're not persecuted for our faith. We should be thankful for the mercy of God, which is new every day. We should be thankful to God that He loved us enough to come and die for us, and not just any old death, not a lethal injection that puts you to sleep. He was crucified, beaten, bruised, rejected, despised, a horrific, bloody sinner's, criminal's death. And I know at times it can be hard. I'm not one of those that just wakes up and, woo, I'm joyful. I'm not. I wish I had that more of that personality. But sometimes it can be hard. But I guarantee you, you turn your thoughts to God. You turn your thoughts to something good and you start thanking him and then you start praising him and then you start petitioning him. You know what ends up happening? You become that lifestyle of worship. You become the living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God that God asked for. But it just doesn't happen, does it? We thank, we praise, we petition. We dethrone ourselves and we enthrone the Lord Almighty in our life. You know, Psalm 22:3 is a verse that I love. And it says, You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. This was their praise to him. You are enthroned. You are the praise. Some versions say, you inhabit my praises. You know what inhabit means? It means to come and sit. It means to come and dwell. And I heard Jensen Franklin say this a few months ago. He said, when you are praising him, you know what it's like? It's like God comes down from heaven, the heavenly tabernacle, the throne room of God, in his big majestic throne room chair, and he comes and sits right In your midst. Yes. (laughs) Amen. I mean, think about it today as we praised Him. He came down and He sat in our midst. Last week when we ended with the praise and the worship, He came and sat in our midst. But He doesn't want it just now. He doesn't want it just corporately. He wants it every day, continually, 24-7. You know, the word tells us that deep darkness will cover the earth. And who in here says there's some deep darkness covering the earth? But you know what it says? But there will be a great glory that rises. And you know where the glory's going to come from? Praise, thanksgiving, sacrifice, worship, us. We're the answer. And that's scary. We we are the carriers of His glory and His presence everywhere we go, 24-7. Hebrews 13, 15. Sometimes we think, well, that's just Old Testament. No. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of His lips that confess His name. Through who? Jesus Jesus who fulfilled all the tabernacle of Moses. Jesus who came down and dwelt among us. The Word made flesh. We are to how often offer God a sacrifice of praise? Continually. 24-7? Every day of the year I'm to continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise? Does that not sound like David's tent? His tabernacle, the fruit of lips that confess His name. Do you confess His name in here? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, as your Messiah, as the Anointed One, who has saved you from the pit of hell and given you eternal life beginning right now into eternity, on and on and on? Then you are to offer a sacrifice of praise continually because you confess His name. You see, no longer do we have to bring our animals and our little pets that are lambs and have the high priest come and slit their throat and let the blood fall into a basin. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to go and wash our hands continually. Yeah, there's time for repentance and cleansing. Absolutely. But we don't have to do that in such a ritualistic tradition way. But what he tells us is, you who confess my name are to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. You know, 1 Peter 2, nine says this about us. But you, meaning believers who confess your name, are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Did you know that we're queen priests now? We're to continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. And because we are king, queen priests, it's our duty. That's our purpose. If you have a title, normally you have a purpose with it, right? And our purpose is to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into light. Has he called you out of darkness? Then we're to declare his praises. And so what did that look like? What did that look like for the 4,000 Levites that ministered before the Lord? Do you think that it was solemn and they stood there and holy, 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 for 14,080 days and sang the same song over and over again? No way. And the Psalms teach us there's no way. And I, I can't go through all these scriptures. And how, how am I doing on time? Okay. Did you know it says that we're to lift our hands? And I can remember, listen, I grew up in a church and we did. We stood there, and if I moved an inch, my mom was nudging me, like, don't move. And so I understand if you're uncomfortable with that. I was uncomfortable with that. But the Word tells us, actually, a lot of times to lift your hands in the Holy Sanctuary, Psalm 134. Paul, and I'm not sure if it's Paul or Timmy, I think Paul, and 1 Timothy says, lift up your hands in holy prayer. It's a sacrifice. It's saying, I need you. I want you. Hold me. I desire you. You know, we get so caught up in the charismatic styles of worship, and we say, well, that's their way of worship, not mine. And, hey, I did it too. I remember the first time I came to this church in the worship center, I saw someone home me, I'm like, I'm not doing doing that. I remember Bradley looked at me like, ooh. And I thought, well, that's just their style. That's not my style. Well, you know what? It's the Bible style. I'm sorry. That's what I realized. And then clapping. You clap to the Lord. I remember the first time I went to church camp in high school. And they clapped. And I was like, oh, we can clap. And I liked it. Like, I liked those songs. And I thought, wow, that's something different. So I clapped. And then it says... We can shout. Oh, I can remember. Y'all know Jonas in the Contemporary Worship Center. I remember the first time years ago I saw him, I thought, God, what's he doing? I mean, we'd be in the middle of the song. He's like, yay, God, woo! And I thought, oh, gosh, what's going on? I mean, I did. And then I read Psalm 71, 20. Well, that's not it. I can't remember it. Sorry. That's what happens when you don't have your notes. It says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We are shouting unto the Lord. We're declaring our praises. We're going to join in with the heavenly tabernacle that's going on now in Revelation 19 that says that there is a roar of multitude declaring His glory and His praise. It says a roar, roar, shout loud. And so we can shout. Psalm 150 verse 4. 150, verse 4. Praise Him with tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. Dancing. Have you ever seen people dance for the Lord? I remember going to a different church, different culture, and they had these praise dancers up there. And I thought, what is that? It was beautiful. And not only did that, they had banners Psalm 25, they had these banners, and I thought, that's crazy. I mean, they had this picture of this lion with this sword and this scepter and this big crown, and I'm going, that is wild. And they are dancing before the Lord. I remember the first time I went to a church that had instruments other than the organ and the piano. And I thought, man, I could get into this. I feel like I'm back in my old days at a widespread panic concert. (laughs) horrible but yeah and I thought my gosh and I didn't know at the time that this was biblical stuff I didn't but when you read the Psalms it's full of it you want to engage with the Lord if you feel like you're just kind of walking through the motions or your time with him has gotten stale You know, the Ark of the Covenant was the connecting point from heaven to earth. It was like it was the throne room footstool for God. And then when Jesus came, he was the connecting point from heaven to earth. That's why you saw healings and deliverances and the lame walking and the blind seeing and salvation. Because he was carrying the presence of God. And you know now... It's our great friend, Holy Spirit, who is our connecting point from heaven to earth. But sometimes we got to activate him in our life. we got to tell our soul, you move out of the way. Mind, you're in control right now. You're dictating my life. You need to move out of the way. And we have got to engage our spirits in worship and in praise and in thanksgiving and in petition. You know, Jesus, when he met the woman at the well, what did he say? The kind of worshipers the Father will seek are those who will worship him in spirit and truth. What he's saying is you've got to engage your whole being. God is spirit, and I want you to worship me with your spirit, the very spirit that I breathed into you and brought you into creation, the very spirit that carries my presence when you are redeemed and you call upon the Lord. And so if you don't feel like you're connecting right now from heaven to earth, I'm going to challenge you. You need to start praising You need to stretch yourself. You know, for me, it started really in my bathtub. I love to take baths at night. I love to just go and just reflect. And even when I had young children, that was the time when daddy would say, you are not going in the bathroom. That is mama's time. And he knew if he wanted the house peaceful, mama needed her sanity in the bathtub. And well, praise the Lord for iPods. I downloaded this music, and I was like, I'm going to put me on some music in there. I'm going to have my spa experience every night. And I started praising. And it started out just a little yay. And then I was like, well, okay, I'll try it. <laughs> and you know what happened? Chains started falling off my life. Insecurity, gone. Rejection, gone. Where i have been betrayed, Gone the more I learned to praise him, transformation came. See, David knew, if I've got the presence of God in my nation, transformation will happen. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. It's not when you've gotten so used to one way your whole life, one thing you've been taught. But I'm I'm challenging you. Radical praise. You know, I I hope I don't embarrass Beth back there. But Beth Walker, who is April Coffin's mom, she led a praise group for 12 years. And I remember the first time I went, and I was kind of like, okay, I can clap, and I can kind of move back and forth, and I'll hold my hands up a little bit. And I remember I walked in, and they had tambourines and these little floaty things, and they were moving around. And I was like, oh... And I realized that a lot of those women that were there were carrying something that I wanted. It's kind of like David. I want to gaze upon your beauty. That's one thing I want to seek. And as I started experiencing that, I realized this is a connection point from heaven to earth in my life. And so I started not only doing it just on those little days when I could go and just in here, but I started doing it daily. And so what does that look like daily when you don't have Browning and Melissa? What does that look like to praise him? Well, I'm just going to tell you some things I do. In the morning, sometimes I'll listen to my iPod. And, and I'm going to tell you this, and this is something Beth taught me, is that I don't sing songs about God. I sing songs to God. You know, there are times that I will declare who he is, but usually that's when I'm going into warfare, honestly. But I'll sing, you are great and you are marvelous. You are the everlasting father. You see, what I do is I start attributing to God who he is. You are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You are the amen to all things. You're the name above all names. I declare who he is. I enthrone him with my praise. And I do it through music. I'll do it through YouTube. YouTube has great videos, praise and worship. I'll do it through CDs. Sometimes I'll do it through Psalms. I personally love music, it feeds my spirit. And so that's usually how I start. And many times through that praise, I then just begin to thank Him for whatever. Because when you start dethroning yourself and enthroning Him, you can't help but have a grateful heart. And then I lead into, He leads me into the prayers. And you know what? If I had written down my prayers before that, I would be able to look and say, man, he changed everything I was going to pray. And sometimes he just takes care of those things without me even having to pray because I've engaged him, I've praised him, I've enthroned him, I've sacrificed continually a fruit of my lip to him. And so that's how we do it personally. Corporately, you need to be in worship. The Word tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of together, the assembling of saints together. You should come in. And not only should you just come to receive, you should come in with your light ready to sacrifice praise to Him whether you feel it or not. You think about if every person that came in brought a little coal to put on the fire, that fire of praise, what would happen it grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And those people who come to the service who don't know the Lord, who are bound in addictions, who have all this trauma and trials in their life, you know what happened? They may be delivered by your praise. Paul and Silas were delivered by their praise. Not only were they delivered, but the jailer's whole household was saved. So we are to come in corporately to offer a sacrifice of praise. I know that would so please Melissa. If we would push in and engage. However that looks like for you. However that looks like for you. You know what the heart of worship is? Y'all remember that song? I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's the presence of God. It's the very presence of God. When we say, I'm going to take that commandment in Mark 12 to love my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. You know how you can do that? If you take these keys from the David's tabernacle and you start doing them. Because to love God with your heart means that it's not going to be cold and it's not going to be lukewarm. It's going to be hot on fire, fervent for the Lord. To love God with all your soul means there's going to be emotion. There's going to be deep emotion. To love God with your mind means you're going to worship Him in truth for who He is, not what your trial says, not what your circumstance says, but for who He is. And with all your strength, you're going to allow your bodies to start being stretched. If it just means to do this, just palms up just to be able to receive. In this book, Bob Goff, he's a lawyer. And he said that when he, he takes these people and they have to do depositions, and he said he learned that if he told the people who were doing, I guess, the depositions, where you go and you tell your side of the story, that if he would make them put their palms up, that they would stay calm, that they would be able to be truthful and honest But he realized if he let them do this, that they'd clench their fists and they'd get nervous and they might kind of fudge a little. And He said, but if I taught them just to leave their palms up, the truth would come out and they'd stay calm and peaceful. And I thought about that with our praise. You know, sometimes we do, we come bound up with worry and fear and anxiety. Life's hard. But what if we came in and we worshiped with our palms up and just said, here it is for you, Lord. I'm going to sacrifice for you because you're worthy of my sacrifice. You've changed my life. You think there'd be a change in the atmosphere? You know what I think happens when we start doing that? I think God just says, Angels, all you who are around my throne praising me day and night, go and join in with the praises of the people. You know, in Revelation 5, 8, it talks about when Jesus the Lamb stands up and there's harps and there's bowls and the elders and the living creatures fall on their face declaring His glory and His power. And you know what the harps represent? The worship, the praise, and the bowls represents the prayers. See, they go hand in hand in our life. Our praise will give wings to our prayers and it will connect us to heaven from earth. And so we're going to end. And Melissa and Browning at last minute notice are going to come and sing a song. You do whatever pleases you. But I'm going to ask you to engage your whole heart, your whole being to the Lord. And then after that, I've got four people that are going to come up here and pray for us. And we're going to pray for those who want to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit, those who need help in finances, those who need prayers for relationships. What's the fourth? Healing. Healing. Okay? And how that's going to look, I want to go ahead and give you instructions. Instructions is that they're going to come up and they're going to say, if you want to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit, you stay seating. And for those who can pray and intercede, we want you to go and put your hand on them while while whoever's up here prays. Okay? And then if you need finances, you remain seating. And those who don't need that prayer right now, you go and you lay your hand on them. Y'all got it?